This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. On tonight's show, we're talking about Thanksgiving. We'll find out how this became an American holiday and how being grateful can truly make our lives better. We'll hear from author Janice Kaplan, the best-selling author of The Gratitude Diaries, on how gratitude changed her life. We'll also hear from Dr. Emiliana Simon-Thomas on the science of gratitude. Gratitude can change your life tonight. And it's all coming up right now on The Charlie Harari Show. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. Another Saturday night. Great to be back with you again, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I know it's Saturday night, but I feel like Thanksgiving comes, and it's like Thanksgiving until you got to go back to work. In fact, now is like holiday season. Like everybody is stuck in like you know the, the everything is going on in our minds, and everyone's sort of like got a little bit of a skip, and there's lights places now, and everybody's sort of in that holiday mood. And so happy holidays to everybody. And I figured, what could be a better way? to use the show than to talk about Thanksgiving. And I know that a lot of us have sort of Thanksgiving out because it is Saturday night. We're probably still feeling the pain of the turkey that we've stuffed into ourselves. But still, I mean, since then, I think that we've got this incredible holiday that really can change and impact our lives. And I would hate to pass it through and not fully appreciate its impact that can we can hold on to for months to come. And I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is such a powerful holiday because it was a holiday that we created here. It's not a religious holiday. It wasn't created by religions that were adopted by people that came to this country and took it on and carried it on like they had from their ancestors. Thanksgiving was a holiday that we started here in America. Like we made up a holiday and like, you know, just it's so us to just make up stuff that is now part and parcel of our entire year. And of course, like us, somehow it turns into eating overeating, but that's just a whole nother story. Now just to I want to take a little step back and talk about the history of Thanksgiving for a minute, because it's so powerful to understand it. In sixteen twenty, pilgrims well, there were at that point just passengers left Plymouth, England. And it took them a whole bunch of time. They got here in March. Half of them didn't even make it. And when they got to America in March of 1620, they came to nothing. 
Right? We think they just sort of like rolled in and they were like these green pastures and there was like all this crops and they had all those cool little hats you make in school with the buckles on the hat and they lived in little houses. They lived in nothing. They mostly died. They were malnourished. And in fact, many of the Indian tribes that were around at the time were actually very gracious to these, to these uh, pilgrims and allowed them to learn how to cultivate the land and to survive. A year later, in 1621, they had their first ever successful corn harvest. And at that moment, Governor William Bradford organized a celebratory feast in which he got together the area's Native Americans and they had a three-day festival to do one thing, to give thanks. Years later, 1789, George Washington picked that up and called the first Thanksgiving for a way to say thank you, to express gratitude and appreciation for the conclusion of the country's war of independence. And then, almost 100 years later, in 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln decided to proclaim a national Thanksgiving Day to be held at the end of November, which we have right now, as a way to give thanks for what we have and to be thankful for the country we have in the end of the Civil War, and that is the holiday that we have right now. And it's so incredible that we have a holiday that is based around gratitude. And if we go through Thanksgiving and eat and see family, and we like the family, we don't like the family, we got presents, we nailed it on Black Friday, we got trampled, whatever the the story was that happened over this weekend— If we miss this entire weekend and never express gratitude, we kind of miss the entire purpose. And, you know, I feel like it couldn't come at a better time because we live in a time that is so unbelievably comfortable. We are living in the greatest period of history. And the stuff that we have on our fingertips are things that the greatest kings and queens would never have even dreamed of. And yet with all of that, we don't seem to be happy. We don't seem to be satisfied. You know, I remember this great clip that I saw with Louis C.K. when he was on The Conan Show. Listen to his rendition of what's going on in the world. And tell me if this sounds vaguely sort of familiar to how we're feeling. Because everything is amazing right now, and nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime, the changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to, and you had to dial it. Yes. You you realize how primitive, you're making sparks (laughs) in a phone, and you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers, because it was more, like, oh, this guy's got two zeros, screw that guy, why do I want to... And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank for when yes. it was open for like three hours. You had to stay in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you ran out of money, you'd just go, well, I can't do any more things now. Right. I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even if you had a credit card, they, the guy would go, oh, and he'd bring out this whole shunk, shunk, and he'd write. Yeah. Oh, you have to call the president to see if you had any money. And it's all true, kids. You had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now, in the 21st century, we take technology for granted? Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the on the crappiest generation of just spoiled idiots that don't care because this is what people are like now. They got their phone and they're like, ugh. It won't. Give it a second. It's going to space. Can you give it a second to get back from space? 
I was on a, I was on an airplane and there was internet, high speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane and they go, open up your laptop, you can go on the internet. And it's fast and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down. And they apologize, the internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bull****. <laughs> like, how quickly the world owes him something yes. he knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. Right. How true is that? Like, how true? We are living in the most incredible time ever. And when we are not grateful for it, when we don't express gratitude for it, we tend to not enjoy it as much. We tend to take it for granted. How many people will put on their phones and be like, oh my gosh, like I can reach anybody in the universe. I could download, I could watch, I can literally connect to individuals that I've never, that, I'll, that I can never get to. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's not fast enough or it's not connected now and I'm not getting enough bars or I'm not getting enough. And when you don't express that level of gratitude, you don't really feel that level of happiness. And so gratitude for, I think for me is this idea that it's almost this mechanism in which we're able to fully be happier with what we has, but it goes even further. And I saw this clip on Seinfeld that you may have seen before because gratitude is important not just to feel happy. Gratitude is important because it impacts what people do around us. You see, if we're not grateful for things, then people don't give us stuff. People don't want to interact with us. Being grateful changes everything that we have around us because it changes how people interact with us. Listen to this little bit I found on Seinfeld. You remember the story where Kramer and Jerry got tickets to a hockey game, but Jerry wouldn't say thank you to the guy the day after the game. Listen to this clip. Did you call Alec Berg and thank him for the hockey tickets? No. Oh, Jerry, what are you waiting for? Oh, what are we going to call him for? I thanked him five times when he gave it to me. How many times am I going to thank no, him? No, no, you got to call him the next day. It's common courtesy. No, I don't believe in it. I'm taking a stand against all this overthinking. Jerry! Good manners are the glue of society. Hey, if I knew I had to give him eight million thank yous, I wouldn't have taken the tickets in the first place. All right, you know what this is going to do? He's going to be upset because you didn't call him and we're not going to get those tickets for Friday night. Oh, you're out of your mind. So remember the story? Jerry doesn't get the tickets. So Kramer makes him call, but he won't call. So he's on the couch refusing to call. Listen to this. Now, did you talk to Alec Berg? Yes, I saw him. All right, so he's going to give you the hockey tickets, huh? Uh, not exactly. He's mad, isn't he? See, I knew it. Huh? I don't know if he's mad. All right, so what happened when you saw him? Well, I didn't really get a good hello, but see, I was at a funeral. Uh-huh. See, so I don't know if I got a funeral hello, or he was mad because he didn't get his day after thank you. See, I told you, Jerry, I told you! Well, what do you want me to do? I want you to get on this phone and give him his thank you! No. No, I can't. <laughs> Jerry, this is the way society functions. Aren't you a part of society? Because if you don't want to be a part of society, Jerry, why don't you just get in your car and move to the east side? <laughs> Look, we got five hours before the game. I am betting it was a funeral hello. Jerry, he knows we're here, he knows the number, he knows we want to go. There's plenty of time for him to call and give us the tickets. You stubborn, stupid, silly man! So if you remember the end of that episode, right, he doesn't, he finally calls, but at that point, there were no tickets left, so he sits in the nosebleed section, um, and, you know, that's how the, the episode ends. But the idea is, I think, very powerful. 
we interact with people, but if we're not grateful to them, they don't want to be more gracious to us. See, gratitude isn't just about being happy. It's not just about sitting on an airplane and being like, oh my gosh, I've got high-speed internet. It's not about just how we feel about ourselves. It's also how people interact with us. And saying thank you and being grateful is, as Kramer would say, the glue of society. It's how we can change and shift our lives. And there's no one better, I think, to say thank you than our good friend Jimmy Fallon, because Jimmy Fallon seems to be able to say thank you for everything and everyone. Listen to a couple of thank yous that Jimmy Fallon comes up with in his famous segment that he does on those thank you notes that many of us maybe never have even thought of. Thank you, Target, for asking customers not to bring guns to your stores. And again, if you don't want guns in your stores, maybe you shouldn't have a Target for a logo. Thank you, paying by debit card at CVS, for making it as easy as hitting yes and then entering my PIN and then hitting yes and then yes and then no and then not today and then I'm sure and then yes again. Thank you, window air conditioners, for somehow making it okay to stick a 200-pound appliance halfway out the window above a sidewalk. Worst idea. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'll put two screws in here. How many? You got two? And I got some of that, that blue putty. <laughs> yeah. You used to stick up posters up. Yeah. yeah. I put it in the corner there. And then, it, look, just don't, you put it in the window, shut it quick. And run. Walk away. <laughs> if run. it falls out, just hope that the plug catches on the yeah. socket. And you know what? Make sure you shut the window. Don't lock it. Just shut it. Isn't that great? And you have to be able to find gratitude in every little thing that you do in life. Gratitude is so important for all of us because it's going to shift our lives. If, if I would be able to give you a pill that can have such an impact on your life, that'll make you happier, that'll make people treat you differently, that'll allow you to go through your day and be healthier, wouldn't you take it? I would. Gratitude does just that. When we come back, we're going to hear from a great person. Her name is Janice Kaplan. What she did, she was a writer. She's a producer. She is a very, very successful individual who decided one New Year's that she was going to spend a year being more grateful. And the impact that it had on her lives led her to writing a best New York Times best-selling book called The Gratitude Diaries. And speaking to her, she's going to give us a little bit of an insight as to just what gratitude does for your life. This is all coming up on The Charlie Harari Show. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099.
No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Welcome back to the show. We've been talking about gratitude, about what it does to your life and how important it is for each and every one of us. Now, most of us, you know, sort of feel grateful every once in a while when things happen to us that are really great or when we're feeling bad and hear some idea from some psychologist that, hey, be more grateful and give you a better life. But here's a person. My next guest, Janice Kaplan, is a person that really took it to the next level. Janice Kaplan is an author of 13 books, many of them bestsellers. She has an incredible, incredible resume in TV in every area in, in, in life. And she's a career with CBS. She was award-winning producer at ABC. And what she did is decided that she was going to take a year and express gratitude in a gratitude journal. Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So tell me a little bit about what this whole... Uh, journey was for you, how you started it, and why you started it? You know, I had done a survey for the John Templeton Foundation, and one of the things we found out was that when you ask people um, if they're grateful, that's something like 90% say, absolutely, grateful for family and friends. And when you say, do you think gratitude will make people happier? Again, way up there, 90 percentile, 94 percentile say, yes, of course, grateful people are happier. And then we asked, do you express gratitude? And it was, the number plunged. All of a sudden, we were down at like 40, 49 percent. And um, it occurred to me that I was probably as guilty of that as anybody else, that we have this great gratitude gap, that there's something, as you just said, that we know is going to make us happier, that we have a sense is probably a good thing, but somehow we just can't get around to actually doing it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it happened for me on a New Year's Eve, and, and uh, I was thinking about what was going to make the coming year even better than the year before it had been. As you said, I've, I've had a really nice life. I had a great career. I've had a couple of terrific kids and a nice husband. But you know how it feels on New Year's Eve when you think everybody in the world is having a better time than you are right, and right. everybody else has done something better than you have? <laughs> and I thought, what? I was standing at a party and I thought, what's going to make me next year? at this time, think, wow, this has been a great year. And because of that survey and because of some other research that I had done, I realized that it wasn't going to be the events of the year. It wasn't going to be something wonderful that happened. It wasn't going to be that I moved to Hawaii or won the lottery. It was probably going to be my own attitude and my own perspective, because Mm -hmm. that's really what changes how we feel about things. And so standing there at that party, I thought, okay, here's an idea. (laughs) Why don't you see if you could actually spend the year and test that out and see if it happens. Um, so I did, and boy, was it a surprise how dramatic it was. And, uh, and that was the, uh, the genesis of my book, The Gratitude Diaries. So t- take us through that a little bit, because you decided you're going to become grateful. And, I, and, and it's a great concept in what you're saying, because most people, I think, that are feeling that are either saying, I'm never going to make it, or I got to work harder. I got to get more stuff. This is the year where I'm going to hunker down and probably see my family less and spend more time in the office or do or go to Hawaii more. But the the fact that you're able to say, hey, wait a second, it's not really what's going on out there that's the problem. It's what's going on in here that's the problem, which is incredible to have that even that realization. But then to actually follow through, what did you practically do to make sure you get that done? You created a journal and every day you expressed gratitude? 
Sure. Um, and, and, you know, just to pick up on what you said, that, that's absolutely right. And I think the danger is that there's been this whole sort of happiness cult. You know, we're all waiting to be happy mm. and, to, and to find the things that are going to make us happy. But happiness can be pretty fleeting. You know, that you, you, you get happy and then you're not so happy. Or an event happens and you say, wow, and then, and then it's gone. And um, it, it turns out that it really is not events uh, th- that do that for us. It's, it's our ability to, to reframe any event that happens. Um, you can find the good or the bad in anything. And so, yeah, I decided to start out and to do something different every month. Um, and uh, I started uh, with my husband the first month and my kids uh, doing, you know, family and friends at the beginning. I did work. I started researching health um, uh, as the year went on. And, you know, very simple example of that very first month, um, I decided to pay more attention to my husband. I've been married a long time. I have a really nice husband. But we stopped noticing each other. You know, psychiatrists, psychologists call it habituation. We, uh, we have something in our lives and it becomes the background. What seems so wonderful, we stop noticing. So I decided I should start noticing. And by the way, in that same survey that we did, we found out that people are more likely to say thank you to the barista at the coffee shop or the mailman than they are to their spouse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's up with that? I, I, I guess all the barista has to do is get your, get your cappuccino order right and we have higher, uh, higher standards right. for our spouses. But I decided to really start appreciating my husband, saying thank you to him. It started on a particular uh, weekend when I just thanked him for driving us home safely one night. And, uh, and uh, it picked up from there over the weekend. And it was amazing how quick it was. It was amazing how the vibe just started to change in our marriage. And um, I recommend it. You know, it's, it's incredibly easy. And uh, I called a bunch of marriage counselors after that to see if I was crazy or if this could actually be occurring. And they, uh, it's become something actually that many of them do, that they'll start a session even with people who are having a tough time and say, okay, start with something, find some reason, however small it is, to say thank you. And uh, it makes you stop and turn things around. So this is something that you were just more aware of? Is something that you said, okay, every day I'm going to say thank you 10 times? Was it, how sort of deliberate was your, um, was your, was your focus on being great, grateful for that to your husband or to your children? Um, for me, it was very focused, and but I think there's something very simple everybody can do. You mentioned a gratitude journal, and you know, that sounds like a big deal, right? That sounds like you have to write an essay every night. I call it a scrap of paper next to your bed. Right. So how about if every night you're just going to write down one thing, three words, one thing that made you grateful that day? Who can't find one thing in the course of a day? And what that one little exercise does is it changes how you look at the whole day. You know you're going to do that. So you wake up in the morning and you have your cup of coffee and you say, okay, there, great, happy, grateful for this cup of coffee. I am done for the day. Or maybe it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon and you have not been grateful for anything. And suddenly you remember you're going to have to write something down that night. And so you look around. You, you pause some, for a moment in your day and you see a pretty flower, or you notice the sunset, or you, uh, or you notice somebody who's been kind to you, or you say thank you to somebody in there, and they say thank you back, and suddenly there's a little moment of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So something as simple as being conscious of the fact that you're going to do that can really change your whole day. And, and by the way, it's a great thing to do with kids also. Um, you know, kids are great at complaining and seeing all of the problems in their day. How about if you end the day when you're snuggled at story time with your kids 
and say, let's talk about the good things that happened today. You know, gratitude is a big word for kids. Use lucky. What are, what are three reasons that we're lucky? And, um, and again, it'll change your day. It'll change your children's day. So I get this question a lot when I suggest to people to become grateful. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. When I tell somebody, be more grateful, or when you think you're more grateful, people think that what you're doing is you are looking away from the problems, that you're almost like you're putting them under the carpet. You're not focusing on what you you want from your husband, or you're not focusing on what you need to do in life. You're trying to almost slow down and appreciate, and in the slowing down and appreciate, you're losing the the progress. Because the progress sometimes comes in the things that you're not grateful for. How do you balance that? Is that even true? Um, Does the focusing on the good and being grateful uh, blind you to the things that need to be worked on? Or um, or is that just what people just tend to think as to uh, what will happen if they are more happier than they allow themselves to be? It is an absolutely perfect question because it's exactly what I worried about. Um, people think of gratitude as being soft and sappy. And, right. you know, I, I'm from New York. I, I'm, you know, <laughs> I've been in TV. I, I'm not soft or sappy. Um, and I was really worried that gratitude was going to end up being just a pat on the back, you know, in a way of placating yourself, in a way of saying, hey, everything is okay. And if that was the case, it was not going to be a successful year for me. Um, and what I found quite happily is that gratitude can play very nicely with ambition. And um, having the one does not mean you don't have the other. You can still want something for your future. You can still see what the next step should be. You can still see what's wrong. But that doesn't mean you can't also see what's right. And somehow we've become afraid of seeing what's right. And I had to get over the idea that, uh, you know, I've been a writer, that, uh, that we're supposed to be depressed and upset and, and see the, the negative in things and that we work better that way. I don't think that's true. I think that when we find the positive, we act positive in the moment and look for the brightness in what we're doing right now, we function better. We, we have more energy. Our, we're healthier. Our, our spirits are better. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop us from saying, there's still another step that I want. There's still something else that I want to do. And um, I, I think that is... Uh, so important for us to get over that hurdle. And by the way, it's one of the reasons I think that people are not grateful at work, Uh, that one of the places people are least likely to express gratitude is in the office. And I think often that's because executives think that they're showing their power by by not saying thank you, or people will work harder if they don't don't know that they're being appreciated. And again, the opposite. In that same survey that I mentioned, 81% of people said they would work harder for a grateful boss. You know, we're, we're really missing something by, by not using this great tool that we have. You know, it's an amazing concept that, that, that so many people just want to get a little bit of appreciation, the power that what gratitude does to the person that receives it. I mean, I, a couple weeks ago, we had a, a great guy on the show named Noah Galloway, who is a, a veteran who had lost an, a, an arm and a leg. Um, and he turned his whole life, it was incredible, his story became Men's Health Man of the Year 2014. And I asked him on the show, you know, what does it do for you when you walk down the street and someone knows you in the military and someone just says, thank you for your service? You know, a simple one-liner. And he says, you can't imagine the impact that it has on us. We feel so proud. And these one little things mean so much to us. And I think you're exactly right. I think people are scared. Well, I think people don't appreciate just what gratitude does for everybody around them. It's almost as if, and tell me if you agree with this, it's almost as if we're like waiting for people to do more for us by, by withholding the gratitude when it's the gratitude that we give them that'll get them to do more for us, if that makes sense. 
Uh, no, I think that's exactly right. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, there's the old line of, um, well, we say thank you with a paycheck. Well, no, we don't say thank you with a paycheck. We say I'm paying you with a paycheck. We say thank you with thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, people want to hear nice job. It doesn't have to be a big deal. But, you know, um, how much better we want to have we want to have meaning in our work. We want to feel that we're doing something. Be, of course, we need to be paid and we need to be paid appropriately. But we want to feel like we're doing something that has a bigger meaning and that's affecting people. And um, and to be appreciated uh does make people work harder. And by the way, it works the other way also. I think that, um, I, I think that uh, well, the, that survey I mentioned, we, I think 90% of people said that they thought a grateful boss was more likely to be successful because people would rally around him or her. And, you know, we don't succeed on our own. When we give something good out to others, they give it back to us. And right. that's a really important message to, to remember also. Right. Well, Janice, I really appreciate you coming on. Check out her book. It's, it's The Gratitude Diaries. Go to JaniceKaplan.com or just Amazon or wherever else you can find this book. It's worth the read. The Gratitude Diaries by Janice Kaplan. And she's got other credible books as well. So there's a lot of reading. Janice, thanks so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Thank you. That was Janice Kaplan. What a credible story, right? Isn't that great? Like to spend a year expressing gratitude and then to feel the impact. I mean, that's something that I think every one of us would probably benefit from. But what I loved about what she said was that it wasn't that she was saying, hey, listen, I really like to feel good and I feel fluffy and I just want to like be more Pollyannish. No, she's like, I'm ambitious. I've got stuff that I want to do. I'm not sitting around like sort of, you know, singing Kumbaya. Like, but gratitude really impacts within my current worldview. And it's something that I think we can take really seriously, no matter where you are out there, just to see the impact that gratitude has on our ready, quick, cutting edge, moving all the time lives. But when I hear this stuff, and Janice did an incredible amount of research, and you can check it out in her book, to me, I still sort of feel like it's just sort of good advice, right? Like, it's good mom advice. And I love my mom, and she gives good advice. But I want to get more. I want to figure out just how this changes my brain. This is just how this changes my body. And so our next guest is a woman named Emiliana Simon. Emiliana is the science director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. And she has spent her entire career on studying areas called pro-social skills, kindness, gratitude, uh, compassion. And she's coming up next to talk about just how our bodies and our minds adapt and change when we're grateful. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Welcome back to the show talking about gratitude. I mean, this is an area that we got to sort of delve into together. Heard from Janice Kaplan. What an incredible story that she spoke about. And just the power that it has in every one of our lives. And what we're going to do now is talk through the science. And our next guest is Dr. Emiliana Simon-Thomas, someone who has spent her entire life focusing on these types of topics, pro-social skills, compassion, kindness, gratitude, and what it has 
in terms of its impact on our brain. She is the science director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, where she oversees that center's research fellowship program. She has spent a lifetime going through the neuroscience of what areas like gratitude does to our lives. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. It's great to have you on. And, you know, we speak about gratitude, and this is a really hot topic today, which is great. I mean, I love the fact that things like gratitude and kindness and compassion are now areas that you can talk about and speak through in terms of from a science perspective and what it does for your life. But many times, I think lay, lay people like me and many people say, okay, I know gratitude is good for me. I, I, I know it. I, I know that intuitively. But what is it really? Is it really good for me? Is it really really changing my mind? Is it really having an impact on my on my psyche? Or is that just sort of, you know, sort of a nice way to say, just be nice to people? Your research has been all through this industry. What have you found with regards to gratitude in specific that has an impact on your brain or on your body? Yeah, so we're lucky today to be uh, in a position not to have to just think about gratitude in terms of a nicety or a version of politeness or something that our parents need to teach us, but rather to think about it in terms of how it influences the body and the brain and in in turn how it affects our health and and our well-being. In terms of the brain, what we we know about gratitude is that it's involved, just just the very quality of of feeling grateful involves a few key, what we might call um, states of mind and and one of them is is what we what we would think of as sort of um, relishing in something positive, right? When when you're feeling gratitude, you're thinking about something good that has come to you um, in in two senses. One is either just a general sense of the world has 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 created a situation where you are are, are feeling good. Another is that someone else has actually gone through the trouble of of behaving in a particular way, you know, through their own effort and with their own resources to do something that has benefited you. And, and this way of thinking of, of sort of relishing in the goodness in your life is a way to turn on what we call pleasure circuits in the brain, right? The part of our brain that tells us that something good is happening out in the world, that we can feel safe, that we feel uh, a sense of trust, that life is, is, is okay. And activating these systems are important for a lot of functions. Uh, in particular, they mitigate stress physiology. So, so instead of worrying, instead of thinking about things that could go wrong, have gone wrong, or ways that people might you know, not have our uh, best interests in mind, we're thinking about what's going well. And we're activating systems that, 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 that support that way of seeing the world. And, and it turns out scientifically that the more we activate this sort of trust, safety and pleasure physiology, the healthier we are in, in a lot of other realms of, of our life. Interesting. You know, I remember the Mark Twain quote, the Mark Twain quote, you know, there's, I've gone through a lot of troubles in my life, most of which have never come true. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, How? exactly. Exactly. That's a perfect uh, example. You know, and the other thing that gratitude does, and, and in particular when we're thinking about gratitude in, in the sort of interpersonal way that I explained it, which is feeling or really appreciating the benefit that has come to you as a result of another person's sort of voluntary and deliberate action that has benefited you. So why is that interesting? Well, our brains are also doing something particular when we're thinking about other people. 
And since uh, our nervous system can't pay attention to everything at once, right? We know we have, we've had this experience where we're paying attention to one thing and something else that's going on just isn't, isn't, doesn't become part of our awareness. Well, this is true for things like thinking about ourselves or worrying about what's to come versus tuning into what's going on with other people. And when we spend more time tuning, on, tuning in to what's going on with other people and also what's going on around us in the world. And again, remember, that's kind of what gratitude is about. It's about what have other people done to make my moment of goodness possible? What's happening in the, in the world that I can think of as something that is, that is good, that is positive? Um, that way of thinking, again, is allocating our physiological resources toward systems in the brain that are not what we might call self-referential. And exactly how you said it with, with the Mark Twain quote, that, that really we spend a little bit too much time meandering in imagination about things that that aren't so aren't so wonderful and gratitude is, is something of an antidote to that it's interesting that our minds are more uh i guess it's, it's interesting how it's beneficial for us to think positively where one mm-hmm. may think that it's better for their survival it's better in life to constantly be thinking about the threats the risks the negative as a way to be more um cutting edge to be more on guard to figure out where the next move is as one goes through life but what i'm hearing you say is that that way of thinking is actually going to be detrimental to your physical health that physically we are programmed if 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 you will to be in a much more positive state and that positivity that our mind takes in it plays out much better for us in the future yeah, well, Charlie, I, I don't want to make the uh, case that, you know, we should walk around sort of with blinders on against possible threats. We are clearly evolved in such a way that we will be able to quickly and deftly reply and rally whatever behavioral resources are required to handle, address, or protect ourselves against an actual threat. But what you described quite nicely, this idea that people walk around the relatively non-threatening, comfortable world vigilant to possible threats or imagining previous experiences as threatening or remembering what was most threatening about them, and in particular when it comes to how we think about ourselves in relationship to other people. Mm -hmm. If we're always looking at other people as a source of competition or threat, Mm -hmm. we are underserving a certain aspect of our sort of biological makeup. You know, human beings are an ultra-social species. We are not the same as mountain lions or other organisms in nature which really live in a solitary way. Most of our, you know, remarkable successes come at the hands of incredible cooperation and um, people functioning in, in, in community, not just by themselves in isolation. And so really taking advantage of those opportunities of building strong relationships, of thinking about solutions that can be had with uh, communal or collective effort has been shown in, in, in multiple studies to, to be a service to progress, to success, to creativity. Being really anxious and uh, distressed or vigilant to threat is actually something that limits your creative solution 
problem solving those sorts of activities. And it seems as if, and it's so great, it's so great to hear you say that because it's so true. And yet, I think not enough of us live that way. I think not enough of us sort of appreciate just how much more successful we can be when we give up the competition, move to cooperation. And I'm, I'm guessing, and I, I wonder if. That's what you, which was what you're getting at, which is gratitude forces you to think this way. When you express gratitude, you are forcing your um, your attention, your focus, to be on things that are going to lead to co- cooperation, lead to pleasure, and so it's almost a way to sort of hijack the system, if you will, and point it in the right direction. You know, if if people come to this conversation and are like, I don't get it, it's really hard, then I would say, absolutely, this is is a potential sort of fake it till you make it opportunity, right? If, if, If you just don't see it and it doesn't come naturally, yeah, just go out in the world and give it a try. Say thank you in your own personal kind of uh, universe in terms of what's going on that has been good that you can think about. And then as you get more comfortable with it, try to say thank you to other people and really, really work on this muscle, right? This muscle of optimism and kindness and interpersonal trust and sort of affiliation because you're absolutely right. People who practice gratitude and research that looks at what happens when we do engage people in regular gratitude practice is that those things tend to move in the in the positive direction. Right, and that's such an important point. I mean, I speak to people sometimes and say to me, Charlie, I get it. I want to be more grateful. I want to be happier, but I'm in a tough place. I've had a crisis happen in my life. I don't have, you know, I have years of conditioning myself to look at the negative. I've got so many parts of me that I'm, I'm more depressed or whatever it is that's sort of the black cloud hanging over my head. I complain a lot. or, And when the solution is be more grateful, their answer is, but it feels inauthentic. I don't mm-hmm. feel grateful. And what I'm hearing you say, which is so incredibly important for people to hear, and it's coming from a place of, from science, not just coming from like, and I'm not saying moms don't know science, but it's not coming from like your mom saying, come on, be more grateful. What mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say is the research will support that w- even if you fake it, like even if you force yourself to fake it and you make yourself be grateful and you could be feeling painful in pain, you can be feeling more depressed or more sad, but this idea of forcing ourselves to be grateful will actually impact both how we are in terms of our ability to express gratitude, but also, like you said earlier, these these ideas of relishing in pleasure and feeling more creative and feeling happier. You know, you're right about that, Charlie, and, and I think what some people walk around thinking is that they are they have less agency or less ability to impact their day in and day out experience than humans actually have. And there's been a, a fairly recent last 25 years revolution in neuroscience, which has sort of made the point that our brains are malleable, that the nervous system changes throughout the lifespan. Previous to that, we thought, well, your brain kind of shrinks for a while, and then it gets bigger for a while, and then by the time you're 20, all you're doing is losing neurons. And that's just not true, right? Our neurons are constantly remaking connections, strengthening their relationships, and all of that is happening as a function of our daily experience. So sure, some of us are born with a genetic sort of endowment that might make us have an easier time being optimistic. And some people might have a, have a different configuration which 
which is associated with a little bit more cynicism, but that doesn't dictate an entire life of conscious experience, and, and we have this capacity to behave. In fact, people who study, uh, and one of, my, one of my friends and colleagues, Sonia Lubomirsky from UC Riverside, has been studying happiness and well-being for quite some time, and in her analysis, looking at how much of you know, well-being is about genetics and how much is about life circumstances and how much is about what you're doing every day. And her analysis suggests roughly that your, what you're doing every day accounts for about 40% of the difference between how happy you are and how happy the person sitting next to you is. Wow. So exactly. It's like exercise. Yeah, it's hard to get in shape if you've been out of shape for a long time. If fitness and exercise wasn't part of your lifelong trajectory and suddenly it's something you want to take on, it's not easy, right? I'm not trying to be flippant. But it's absolutely possible, right? Oh. People have to sort of make that decision and, and come to it with their own courage and, and resilience. And, and with that, the uh, benefits will emerge. Well, Emiliano, let me take a second to express my gratitude to you because it's people like you that are out there every day uh, delving into this research and coming up with all these incredible ways for the rest of us to live a better, happier, and healthier life. So thank you for that. And thank you for well, joining us on the show. thank you for inviting me on the show. And as you can probably tell, I really enjoy talking about the work that I and many, many, many other very important and brilliant scientists in the world are doing uh, uh, to, to sort of try to understand how to optimize the human experience. You know, what we're really after is people leading happier and more peaceful lives. Amazing. Emiliana, thank you so much again for the show. That was Emiliana uh, our Simon. you got to check her out. Uh, she's an incredible person, the science director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, talking about just, just how much gratitude impacts your health, how much it impacts how you see the world, your neurons, your brains. It's all there. It's not just Pollyannish, fluffy, good stuff. It's not like, you know, what you see when you hit around the table and you got nothing else to do. This is the, this is the stuff that makes our brain and our lives work. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Well, he still may if he doesn't build. If he builds this wall and gets ninety percent of this wall built, we'll, we'll well, you too. You yeah, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I will. Be, I'll be absolutely no problem. Oh, you're damn right, absolutely. If, if he builds ninety percent <laughs> of a wall, let's say nineteen hundred miles of a wall, and Stu and I eat our underwear. That's fine. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. And we're talking about gratitude. And the question is, how do I bring this into my life? Because it's so important for us to figure out just practically what to do and how we could implement some of the things that we've heard from both our guests. And because being able to walk away from this holiday with a real good sense of some practical steps could really change what happens for us for the next holiday and for the next holidays. And so I want to tell, share with you one story. A bunch of years ago, I was giving a seminar and the seminar was about growth and success and all these different areas, mostly with regards to entrepreneurs. And there was one woman in the, in the audience and she came to me afterwards and she, she almost looked as if like she was really like she'd gone through a lot. You know, she had a really nice smile, but never came out. And we were talking a little bit about her business and what was going on in her in her career. And then slowly I started to realize that there was much more that she needed with regards to career advice. So at some point she says to me, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? I said, sure. She says, I can't get out of this funk. 
I can't break this cloud that is surrounding me. I said, what happened? She goes, well, I was recently divorced. Her husband had left her for a individual, a colleague in his office, and she was alone. She raised her kids as a, as growing up, um, and she started her career later, and her kids are all grown up out of the house. And here's a woman who is right now a little bit later on in life, and what she had thought was going to be years that she can spend with her husband, retires and her kids, now she finds herself alone. And she just can't seem to break out of her funk. And it's affecting her, obviously, her, her life. It's affecting how she treats her children. Even her kids, she's, she's perceptive enough to realize that even with regards to her children, they're like, you know, it's, they agree with her and they empathize with her, but like how many times could they sort of hear it? And then they're starting to like not really want to be around her as much. And she's slowly losing her grasp on everything that she's built in her entire life. And she has nowhere to go and no idea of what to do. So I sat with her for a little bit and I gave her this little bit of advice. I said to her, you have to figure out a way to get rid of the cloud and to see the world in a little bit of a brighter place. And she goes, yeah, I know, but it's easier said than done. I go, I, I got it. It's easier said than done. And a lot of what I'm about to say is things that you're going to, it's going to sound familiar now that because of what we spoke about in the show, I said, you have to do two things. Every day when you wake up in the morning, I need you to write five things that you're grateful for. Five things every single day before you get out of bed, before you start your day routine. I need you to just go to take a pad by your bed and just write five things, whatever they are, your health, the, the fact that you live in a secure place, the, your, your apartment, whatever it is that you're grateful for. Just write it down. Nothing too big, and nothing too small. Just something. She goes, okay, that's easy. Go on. Here, here's the catch. You can never repeat something ever. It goes down to on one day it never goes down again. And I want you to almost have a rolling list of new things that you are grateful for. So she does it and or she goes, okay. And the second thing I said, every time you see your family, I need you to find one thing that you take pleasure in with your family, whether that's sitting with your grandkids, whether that's talking to your kids, whether that's sitting at a dinner table and everyone's around you, whatever it is, while you're experiencing something, I need you to fully enjoy that pleasure. She goes, all right, I go, but you got to do it no matter what, whether you like it or you don't like it for three months. And then I want you to email me. She goes, I'll try. She leaves. Three months later, I get an email. And then six months later, and then nine months later, and then 12 months later. And I begin to see the impact that these two ideas, these two exercises have on her life. And what I saw from the reaction, what happened in her life, she says to me, at first it was like painful. Because she was so used to feeling sad and so used to feeling depressed. And she was almost getting to a place where it was her against the world to have to stop that feeling and to make herself feel gra grateful for things, even the small things that she took for granted, right? The things that are be have become habituated, the background noise, like as Janice said earlier, right? Where it's easier, it's easier for us to say thank you to the, to the barista that handed us the coffee than to our family because we're used to our family, to have to stop and to focus on the background, to focus on the things that we are so sort of, you know, we take for granted, shifted the way she saw the day. But what happened was, was that after she got through 20, 30, 40 of these, she had nothing left, right? Like after you're thankful for your health and food and walking on the street and not getting, you know, killed or whatever it is, what else are you thankful for? Then you start getting into body parts. Okay, but how many body parts do you know? And then you start getting into like family members. Okay, how many family members do you have? Like in sports teams, I mean, how far can you go? 
So she had to really stop and look, and she found herself throughout the day saying, oh, okay, wait a second. Okay, I got, you know, I was first online. I'm thankful that then when I went to CVS this afternoon, I didn't have to wait on one of those long lines. I'm thankful that when I go to my bank account, there's money in the account. She's going through the details of her day and reminding herself that, oh my God, remember this one. I'm going to put it on my list. And what happened was, is that it trained her brain to look for things to be grateful for, which then ultimately trained her brain to feel gratitude, which made her feel more positive. It was the thing that we spoke about with, with Emiliana before, right, in the last segment, how you can fake it until you make it. You could force your attention to see things that are much more positive, to be grateful for things. And as a result, because your nervous system can't pay attention to everything and is now forced to pay attention to certain things, and because your mind is plastic, because your mind is malleable, the, your, the neurons in your brains are constantly changing and shifting. Remember the work she spoke about from Sonia Lubomarsky? It's constantly shifting. Your brain gets used to seeing the good. Your brain gets used to feeling positive. And as your brain gets used to walking down the street and looking for things that you're grateful for, your day becomes more positive. It's almost as if we have a choice to look at the world and decide how we're going to interpret what's happening to us. Now, this may sound totally new to people because we were trained and we were raised with the idea that if you want to have a good life, you have to work so that you can get things so people will give you things, right? As you're in school, no one's going to tell you that if you want to be a good student, just sort of be happy. They're going to tell you, go get grades that you can go get out of school and get a good job and then you can get stuff and the getting stuff, the race, the climb is what's going to give you the life that is going to make you happy. We never hear that when we go through life, much of the happiness is our decision. It's not what is given to us. It's how we process that which is given to us. And we're so overwhelmed by this struggle. Right? We, we take it so seriously. We, this is our life. We are so in awe of how much it has to, we have to put into the effort we need to exert to get the life that we want that it would never even dawn on us that the life we want is the life we have. We just can't see it. It's the filter that we are using to process the things that are coming at us that is broken, not the things coming at us. And that's the Louis C.K. quote in the beginning. That's why I played that clip. We're living in the greatest time ever, and we're still not happy. It's not because we need more stuff. It's because we don't know how to process stuff. And just being able to process the world differently changed that woman's life. And the second piece was this pleasure circuits in the brain that we also heard about in the show. How our brain has pleasure circuits. And when we activate those systems, it changes our whole life. It changes how we deal with stress. It changes our immune system. It changes our resilience. Our brain, when activating its pleasure centers, totally shifts our lives. And we can activate our pleasure centers when we desire. I'm not saying that life is always perfect. I'm saying that when we are in the moment, why are we not appreciating it? Right. Our life should be more the way our kids eat. I find right. Kids eat the way we need to live life. 
right? They have to eat certain foods because mom makes them and no one wants to eat really good foods. You, everyone wants to eat delicious foods. And so mom forces them to have chicken and, and mashed potatoes and broccoli. And so they eat it. And deep down, they may fight you, but deep down, they know it's good for you. So they eat it. But when you give that kid some dessert, you know how kids eat dessert, right? 5% in the mouth, 95% in the neighborhood. That's how they eat it. Right, they love that thing. You watch a kid eat dessert, like you look at him and you're enjoying you're enjoying the dessert by watching it all over his face, right? So I'm not saying there aren't moments where you got to eat your broccoli, but when you get to eat the ice cream cake, why are we not appreciating it? Why are we not eating it with all of the, the life's gusto? Why don't we? Aren't we grateful? And why don't we take pleasure at the moments that we have? reasons to be grateful for and reasons to take pleasure in. And I think if we would just stop worrying about all the things that we do not have, we'll deal with it. We'll work about we'll work on it. We're not gonna stop working. We're not gonna stop worrying. We're not gonna stop, you know, doing what we need to do to take care of the things we need to take care of. That's not what I'm talking about. Thanksgiving is this incredible time where we're able to realize that there are moments in life where you have to be grateful. There are moments where you have to work. But there are moments where you have to stop and take it in and be grateful because it's in that it's within that moment of being grateful that you are able to gain so much of the perspective that you can get you need to live the life that you want to live. And I would even go a step further. A lot of the stress that we put upon ourselves are are it's fabricated stress that we have because we're trying to get a life that we already have if we can just fix our perspective. Get that? If we can just be more grateful, we're probably going to save ourselves stress because the stress that we feel, I think in part, is because since we lack gratitude, we're constantly in need of third party or things on the outside to make us feel good, and so we're stressed to get them. Once we allow ourselves to feel more grateful, then we allow ourselves to look at the world from a place of abundance and not from a place of lack. Check this out. There's a great, I found a great clip from Oprah and where there's a moment where you think that people like Oprah are like, you know, they're like totally, you know, impenetrable. But there's a moment where she broke down and what she found was that expressing forced gratitude got her through it. Listen to this interview that Oprah did. What I know for sure is, no matter what you're going to, this too shall pass. And that all trials stands to have you look at yourself and say, who am I really? You know, I remember calling Maya Angelou one day crying, literally crying, sitting in the bathroom with the toilet seat down. I remember this in the book, yes. Yes, and the doors closed and I am crying to her saying, oh, whatever. It was probably some tabloid something. And she said, say thank you right now. So I was like saying thank you. Why am I saying thank you? Why do you say thank you when you're going through the worst of times? You say thank you because you know your faith is strong enough, your belief is strong enough, you will get to the other side, this too shall pass. That's the key. Say thank you right now. If you're going through a tough time, say thank you right now because you know it'll pass and it's the gratitude that gets you through it. If life is good, say thank you right now because it's your thank you that's gonna make you appreciate it. If you've got a problem with somebody else, Say thank you right now because it's that thank you that's going to enable your relationship to grow. Gratitude is the key to the life that we want. And when we express it, everything around us starts to change. And our life goes from being good to great to maybe just maybe touching awesome. 
This is Charlie Harari thanking you for the time, thanking you for the attention. Looking forward to seeing you next week and you're listening to The Charlie Harari Show. It's more than just events. It's what they mean to your life. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.